today. James chapter 4 and verse 13 says this in the New King James Version. James writes and says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a city and spend a year there and buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. I want to minister from that passage and from another one we'll go to in just a few moments about this thought, one day at a time. One day at a time. If you would, turn to your neighbor and just tell them that simple phrase, one day at a time. One day at a time. You may be seated. One day at a time. The psalmist wrote, and I believe it's for us today, he said, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It matters what we do with today. It might just be that you walked in confused or weighted down enough that the word that you need to hear today is that you have a choice to make about what you're going to do today. And that there is a choice that you can make that is pleasing to God. You can be like the psalmist and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It might be that you receive a revelation today of exactly where you are with God. I believe that every person can know and be, become acquainted with the plans and the peace of God for your life. I don't believe that has to be a great mystery. I don't think that it's within reach for some people and out of reach for others. I believe that every person under the sound of my voice today, you can know and be acquainted with the plans and the peace that God has for your life. I want to take aim at two forces today that exist in our world and exist in our lives that can keep you from living the way that God has ordained that we live, and that's one day at a time. These things tend to stand in our way and keep us from fully knowing the peace and the plan of God for our life. First, when we look at James and the passage we just read together, it's important to clarify together that we read a passage like that and sometimes we can come away with the wrong idea. We can come away with the idea, Sister Anderson, that God is against us making plans. And he's against us having any kind of ambitions or any kind of organization or any kind of forward-thinking planning going on. And that's simply not the point of what James is talking about. Don't make that mistake here. The truth of the matter is this. Human beings are locked in time. We cannot move backwards in time. We can only move forwards in time going one speed. And it's the same speed for all of us. We can't speed it up. We can't slow it down. It's the one reality that we're all bound to, and it's that we live one day at a time. It's the daily movement of life, and it happens one day at a time. 
James, in the passage we read together in James chapter 4, verse 13, you'll notice the first two words. He says, come now. It's almost like his tone is, his tone's a little brusque. His ta- tone, he's, he's admonishing us, and he's, he's admonishing them, and he's admonishing us. He's saying, come now. And he starts to talk about what it is to boast about tomorrow. We live in a world today where it's a virtue to have self-confidence, and it seems like there's no limit to how much self-confidence you're allowed to have. And James is taking aim at not self-confidence, but at having so much self-confidence that we start to deal with our time and we start to, in, in essence, deal with our life in a way that is arrogant and that dismisses God out of the equation. And he says, there's those who will say, he starts to paint a hypothetical picture. He says, there's those who will say, we're going to go to this place and do this thing. And we're going to stay there this amount of time. And this is going to be the outcome and the result of it all. And James stops and he cuts it off and he says, just consider with me, what is your life? What is your life? Your life is a vapor that appears and then vanishes away. That kind of thinking is not unique to the book of James. You can go back in your Bible to the book of Psalms and to other places in the Old Testament, and you can see where the psalmist writes in Psalm 102. He says, my days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. Psalm 144 says, man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. We take aim at tomorrow a lot of times. And James actually says today or tomorrow. Sometimes we can say, you know what, we've got to be careful about how much we think about tomorrow. James even actually backs it up a day and says, it's not just tomorrow that you have to put into the hands of God, but it's actually today as well. The psalmist says, the psalmist doesn't say that that we're here today and gone tomorrow. He says, we're here today and we're gone today. He says, it happens just that fast. And we know that to be true. We don't even know what's going to happen today. We think we know what's going to happen today, but we really don't know what's going to happen and what today holds. James says, instead, verse 15, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we'll go and live and do this or that. Instead, you ought to put it in the Lord's hands. Not just tomorrow, but today. I'm talking about a choice that we have to make today. We, we can talk about tomorrow, but really we all just live life one day at a time. And so if you're here today and you're feeling crushed under the weight of the expectation of tomorrow or the disappointment so far of today, we have today. We can do something with today. You can make a move toward God today. You can be obedient in your faith in a way that you never have been before, and it can happen today. You can repent of your sins today. You could be baptized in the name of Jesus for the washing away of your sins today. You could be filled with the gift of God's Spirit today, speaking in other tongues, and turn over a new chapter in your life. I can't guarantee what tomorrow's going to be like, but I do know the opportunity, Sister Anderson, that we have today. And today we have a choice to make. 
This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I've come in the Holy Ghost this morning to call your attention, just like James did. James said, come now. I've done to do whatever I can to, 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 to lay hold of your attention this morning and tell you that if you aren't born again, if you're born again, if you're a born again person and you've experienced the new birth and you've repented of your sins and you've been baptized in the name of Jesus and you've been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, even if that's your experience, what James is telling us to do in the Holy Ghost doesn't come automatically. We don't, we don't have the new birth experience. We're not born again of the water and of the Spirit. And then the next day we wake up and our eyes pop open and the kinds of things like James is writing to us just begins to happen automatically. We still, every day, need to take that day to the Lord. We've got to give it to the Lord. We've got to consciously give it to the Lord in prayer. Because we are living in a world where there are forces that, that are coming against the way that God would have us to live our lives. I think we all know that to be true. You try living for the Lord and there's going to be forces that come against you and that there's going to be opposition that you feel. And it happens in our time and what we do with today, every day when we wake up. There is forces that will come against us and try to busy our schedule and try to cause us to live in such a way that we can't fully know the peace and the plan of God for our life. Now, I believe there is a way. There is a way that every person can know the peace and the plan of God for their life. Whatever that crushing weight of expectation or that trial is that you're facing, there is a way that you can have joy in the middle of those things. You can have joy today. You can have peace today. You can know for beyond the shadow of a doubt that you're saved and that if the Lord should return, you're going to make heaven today. I'm talking about today. I'm talking about one day at a time. That's the only way that we can live. We're locked in time, Brother Tuttle. We are locked in. We can't slow it down. We can't speed it up. I can't go back and correct anything that happened in the past, but I can today put it under the blood. I can today ask for forgiveness for my sin and see God do a work in my life and help me to become a new creature in him. When you boast about tomorrow and you do what James is explaining happens when we don't consciously give it over to the Lord, there's a force that's at work whenever that's happening. And the, the name that I want to give it is not a name I come up with on my own. It's a name that's right there in the text of James chapter 4, and we read it together. He said, all such boasting is arrogance. Arrogance. Now that... That hits me between the eyes. Arrogance. Arrogance. You say, whoa, Brother Dustin, you had me there a couple minutes ago. I was with you. I, that was resonating with me. But now we've labeled it. Now we've named it. I don't like that. I don't want to own that part of it. I don't like that word. Arrogance. And I wouldn't put it on you. 
except that I can't get away from it. It's right there in black and white. And when we boast about tomorrow, when we fail to give our, to- our todays into the Lord's hands consciously every day, and instead we make plans, and again, making plans is not anti-God, but when we make plans in such a way that dismisses God out of the equation, James says it's arrogance. And what happens is we shortchange ourselves out of the best that God has for you today. Is it possible to plan yourself out of the will of God? Absolutely it is. It's able to, you're able to manipulate and manage your time and, and maneuver yourself and plan yourself out completely out of the will of God for your life, completely out of the peace of God, completely out of the plan of God that he has for you. And that's why we have to consciously give our days into the Lord's hands, one day at a time, one day at a time. Turn to your neighbor and say, one day at a time. I want to look at a different text just because I, 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 want, I'm, I feel like the Holy Ghost is taking us somewhere. If you would, if you could open your Bible and look at Matthew chapter 6 with me. Matthew chapter 6. And, and the reason I want to do this is because I think we're probably about 50%. I think that there's probably 50% of us that what James chapter 4 talks about, it's, it's kind of resonated with us a little bit. But I know that in any group of people, there's just so many different seasons of life that we find ourselves in that there's always some other realities unfolding. Matthew chapter 6 is the other side of the fence, and it's a different dynamic. I said there was two dynamics. The first that I think pulls at us and tries to pull us away from the plan and peace of God is arrogance, that word we don't like. Matthew chapter 6 starts to explain to us what the other one is. Verse 25. This is Jesus at the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now, I want to pause there because James asks an important question. James is confronting something else on the other end of the spectrum. And James asks that question, that very pointed question. He says, what is your life? What is your life? That's the question that he asks that really gets our minds, our gears turning. Well, Jesus is teaching, and granted, he's coming at it from the opposite end of the spectrum, but he's addressing the same topic And I don't think it's an accident that he asks a pointed question too. He says, are you not of more value than the birds? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Verse 31, Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? 
For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You probably noticed the word that recurs over and over again in that passage, and it's the word worry. There's a story about a guy one time who worried so much, Brother Hunter, he worried so much that the story goes that he hired somebody to do his worrying for him. And he hired him on at a six-figure salary, $100,000, to do all of his worrying for him. The man agreed. He said, of course, I'll take that job. I'll do all the worrying you want me to do. He said, and after he agreed to the terms and was hired, his first question to his new boss was, where are you going to get that $100,000 a year? The man responded, he said, that's yours to worry about. I thought that was funny. I want to give you another word to describe this force that works on us. Anxiety. It's possible to be arrogant about the future. It's also possible to be anxious about the future. Matthew chapter 6, verse 32, Jesus gives the rationale for why we ought not to worry and be anxious about the future. He says, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek. He's saying, in essence, there's a way that you can be arrogant about the future and about your todays and tomorrows. He said, but there's also a way that you can be anxious and he says, this too is a worldly way of processing time. It's a worldly way of living. And he's pointing, where James is pointing from over here and pointing us back to there, to where we need to be, Jesus is almost standing on the other end of the spectrum, and he's, he's pointing as well, and he's pointing the other direction and saying, this is where we need to be. He's saying, you can't live all the way out there, but you can't live out here either. You need to just live one day at a time. He says, God knows, your heavenly Father knows everything that you have need of. And he doesn't let the birds go hungry, and he doesn't let the lilies of the field go spoiled. He says he takes care of everything. He knows exactly what everything needs. Now, I'm not going to stand up on a Sunday morning and try to tell you that what's happening in your life isn't serious, because there are trials that we go through, and there are situations, and there's decisions that we face, and, and you need to give them proper attention. Proper attention. There's a way that we can give them improper attention whenever we're going through a trial or we've got a decision or we've got a circumstance that's unfolding in our life. We have a decision to make. How am I going to address it? And how am I going to live today? The, the, the New Testament gives us a couple ways that are proper ways of addressing those things. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, Peter says, Cast all your cares upon him, because he cares for you. You'll find in Matthew chapter 6, and this is a Bible study for another time, 
But if you want to circle it and start to dig it out for yourself, you'll find in Matthew chapter 6, in just the verses we read a moment to go together, that worry and being anxious about the future is unreasonable, it's unnatural, it's unhelpful, it's unnecessary, and it even qualifies as unbelief. And it all starts back earlier in that chapter. Jesus is sitting on the side of a hill and he's teaching, and they call it the, the Sermon on the Mount, and it's just this long discourse that Jesus gives, and it's, there's so much packed into it. And we read about 10 or 11 verses a moment ago, and a lot of the themes that Jesus starts to talk about, about worrying about today and thinking about tomorrow and, and worrying and, and being anxious about the future and even being anxious about today, it all began several verses before, but while he is still in the same setting, teaching. Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, Jesus is teaching them how to pray, and he says, give us this day our daily bread. I don't think that's an accident. I don't think that Jesus uses any words on accident. I don't think it's an accident that our bread and our sustenance that we receive from God is daily. It's not weekly. Let me park here for a second. We need what we're doing here right now. We need it. What happened, there was a sovereign move of the Holy Ghost that's been happening in, in this place today. And it's not over, it's not complete. We're right in the middle of it right now. And we need it. But what we are experiencing today is not designed, and we are not designed as people, as human beings, to get one download a week and then go six, seven days until the next one. But what the Lord wants to do in your life, and the only way that you're really going to spiritually thrive, is by having a daily encounter and exchange with God. That's why he says, give us this day our daily bread. Could it be that a lot of our arrogance about the future and a lot of our anxiety about the future and just life in general comes from because we've departed from the reality that we just need a daily personal audience with the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings? I know I'm, I know I'm very fundamental right now, but you need to have a daily walk with Him. Let me take a step back further and say, you can have a daily walk with Him. What I'm describing right now is not just for the people that have lived for the Lord for decades and finally they stumble into some kind of rhythm that they feel like they have a regular daily walk with God. It can happen on day one. It can happen on day one. It should happen on day one and day two and day three and day 1,000. We ought to have a daily experience with God. Jesus, in just a few more sentences, after he gets done teaching them how to pray and tells them the importance of having a daily encounter with him, he says this, no man can serve two masters. This is just a few verses later. No man can serve two masters. 
just ask Brother Dustin, what does this all have to do with living one day at a time? Why does it hurt to worry? Why does it hurt to be anxious about that? Why does it hurt, why does it hurt to view my daily bread as optional? Why does that hurt? Why does, what's, the, what's the difference? Because when you give place to anxiety about the future, it positions you so that you're trying to serve two masters at the same time. And those masters' names are today and tomorrow. That's what's happening. When you're anxious about today and about the future, tomorrow, you're doing exactly what Jesus says is impossible. And you're trying to serve two masters. The name of the first master is today. And the name of the second master is tomorrow. And Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. And when you live that way, you live in a constant state of anxiety and frustration about life. Which is to say, (laughs) you lose touch with the peace and the plan of God for your life. Because in its place are things like anxiety and frustration. Because you're trying to do the impossible. You're trying to serve two masters. And faith says, just take it one day at a time. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I'm going to go back to what I said at the very beginning and just make a statement grounded in just what we know about obvious human nature. We can't live in two days at the same time. We can't go backward. We only go forward at one speed. We can't slow it down. We can't speed it up. We're locked in place in this thing called today. And when we worry and we let worry take over our life, we try to handle two days at the same time when we're only built to handle one and it breaks us down spiritually. You may think Brother Dustin's up here talking about time management. The Dustin's, he's just talking about time management. I need to get a hold of my calendar. I need to just, I need to get, I need to tighten up my schedule every day. And you know what? If those are things you need to do, then certainly, you know, pray about it and avail yourself of those things. But I'm talking more about a spiritual ramification that happens when we don't consciously cast our cares on the Lord when we don't allow the Lord to have the role that he needs to have in our life, that we need him to have in our life. And so I want to make this point today. There's two forces. There's arrogance and there's anxiety. And I want you to slow down and stay with me for just a few more minutes because this is very, very important. The immediate results are opposites. Arrogance about the future means that you're so empowered by pride that it keeps you busy doing things that aren't what matters most. Secondary things. You're busy on whatever presents itself with no regard for God's plans or the peace of God for your life. And your arrogance and your failure to take it to God every day means that your life gets organized around things that are of secondary importance. How many people have heard stories about those that get to the end of their life and no one ever says, boy, I wish I'd spent more time at the office. 
we have all we've all heard the we've all we've all heard the stories. We all know that there's a certain clarity that comes with when you get to the end of life and they're in the very last stages and they're looking back. I want to tell you in the Holy Ghost this morning, you don't have to wait until that point to get that kind of clarity. Because the word of God and the spirit of God is ministering here today and you don't have to live a life that's organized around secondary things. But you can live a life that's organized and built on the rock, on Jesus Christ. When we're anxious about the future, we're not to be arrogant about the future is to be so empowered by pride that we just charge headlong. And over the long run, we build ourselves around things that don't matter as much. When we're anxious about the future, what happens is not pride, but it's we get paralyzed. We get paralyzed by worry, and we don't ever actually move towards the things that matter most. And the Word of God says the things that matter most is the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all the other things will be added. But when we're, when we're anxious about the future and we're worried about the future, we end up in a place where we are so paralyzed that we, we may know what the most important things are, but we're paralyzed and we can't pursue them. Those are the immediate results, and they're pretty, pretty opposite from one another. But I would submit to you today that no matter which of these camps, it's almost like a North Pole and a South Pole, Brother Billy. And in life, even people that are full of the Holy Ghost, we're going we're gonna to feel the tug and the pull towards one of these things, aren't we? Every day when we get up, we're going to feel the tug and the pull of the world, and we're going to be pulled towards arrogance about the future, anxiety about the future. We're going to be wondering what to do, and we're just going to get pulled. And every day, we've got to take it to the Lord. And while you might get pulled this way or that way, and in the short term, in the immediate, they seem to have opposite effects. In the eternal, the results are the same because you end up fixating on temporal things over primary and eternal things, and you miss out on God's best plans and peace for your life. Both of these forces that I've brought out in the Word of God today push against our faith. And the way forward, the way out of it, the way out of this one and the way out of the one over here is so simple that most of the time, most of us miss it. And it's one day at a time. That's the way God's built us, one day at a time. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. These two things that James talks about and that Matthew talks about, they're two sides of the same exact coin. It's our corrupted human nature trying to manage and manipulate time apart from God. God wants you to have a plan, but God wants you to have peace too. Time is so precious, isn't it? I read a book last year. The title of the book was 4,000 Weeks. 4,000 Weeks. The premise was that if you live to be, I think it was if you live to be 80, you're going to have around 4,000 weeks to live. 28,000 days ticking by, 
but only one at a time. Life is a vapor. Time is so precious. It's like a shadow that passes by. The truth of the matter is this. Human beings are locked in time. We can't move backwards. We can't move forwards any faster than any of us do. And when we come together like this and we're honest with ourselves and we're honest with God, most of us know that I'm being pulled by arrogance about the future or I'm being pulled about worry and anxiety about the future. And I've got this deep hunger, this desperation to get to the place where God wants me to be. I want to be situated right in the middle of what we sometimes call the perfect will of God. And the only way to find the perfect will of God and stay in the perfect will of God for your life is one day at a time. And sometimes we reject that because it seems too simple to be true, don't we? We want the complex, we want the complicated, we want multiple steps, we want, you know, a whole dissertation, a whole paragraph, when really we can, we can summarize it down to just one day at a time. This is the day. As the musicians come, Jesus understood what we're talking about today. John chapter 9, verse 4, Jesus says this. This is Jesus. He says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. One of these days, there's not going to be any more days to live. Whether we go by way of the grave or we go by way of the rapture, there's coming a time when our days are going to be complete. The psalmist wrote, he wrote a prayer that I think is appropriate for us. He says, so teach us to number our days so that we may live with the heart of wisdom. James says in his letter elsewhere, he says, if any of us lack wisdom, we can ask the Lord for wisdom. And I think he'll give us wisdom for today. Can I explain to you what I believe is the greatest wisdom for today? The greatest wisdom of all. This is not denying that there are situations and circumstances and trials that are unfolding all over this room in lives of people that are real and legitimate. But if I were to elevate one thing above everything else, one piece of wisdom, I would go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 says, When the day, not the week, not the month, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. There was a powerful message that went forth that day about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that God had sent a Messiah. It was actually he himself that had come and manifest himself in human flesh as the savior of the whole world. And he'd gone to Calvary and hung on a cross and shed his blood and done a powerful work and been resurrected the third day, conquering death, ushering in a new era of the kingdom of God. When the people heard that on that day, they were fully locked in in the moment. They weren't looking at their phones. They weren't thinking about tomorrow. 
They were completely locked into the present. How many times do we hear about that nowadays when we've got all the devices and distractions, the importance of being present? They were completely locked in on that day as Simon Peter preached that message. And whenever they, whenever Simon Peter completed that message, they understood it. And they said, what do we need to do about it? Because they knew that just understanding and agreeing with it was not sufficient. But that that day they needed to take action on what they'd heard. Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is to you. Now look at the future. Look at the future here. He, he somehow, he go, he, when you're in the right spot, when you're fully present in the moment with God, then you can really start looking into the future, can't you? Because it's no sooner that Simon Peter explains what they need to have happen that day that in the very next sentence, he says, the promise is to you and to your children and to all that are far off. When we get what's going on today in the right order and we get that in, when we get fully present with God and the Lord starts doing ministry to us right now, today, then, whoo, I feel hope right now. Then, that future that you're so worried and worked up about, that future maybe that you feel like you've got it all figured out. Ooh, God starts rearranging it. And he starts rearranging it for the better. And he starts telling you, the future you thought you had planned out, I've got something even better for you. That thing you were so worried about and you're not even sure if you have a future, I'm going to speak life over it and say, you do have a future and you do have a hope and your children have a hope and there's going to be hope for your family. And it starts today. It starts today. Stand with me if you would. When they got a hold of that truth, the word of God says before Acts chapter 2 ends that what they did is they continued daily. Daily, daily, they locked on to the power of the moment. They locked on to the power of what God was able to do when they were fully present with him and all of their attention and energy was fixed on him. Here in just a few moments, I'm going to make a call to action and allow us to respond. And what I want to do here in a few moments is for us all to gather at the front and respond but before we do that, let me talk to the person this morning that you're here today and you're at your wit's end and you need a miracle in your mind. You're under attack by worry and anxiety about tomorrow and you just feel like you're paralyzed and that your life can't move forward. Let me talk to the person also that might be living a different reality and you've been charging headlong into life and you've got everything figured out and you've got all the plans, but maybe you're just starting to realize that there's a little bit of something unraveling with the plans that you laid so carefully and the expectations that you've got for life. And you're starting to see it fray around the edges a little bit. And you're starting to see your expectations 
might not be fully realized. And maybe there's just a little bit of frustration and a little bit of disappointment that's starting to leak in. To that person, I'll say, don't let that turn into bitterness. Don't let that develop into bitterness. Don't let that develop into you not wanting anything to do with the Lord. You need to find a place today and you need to let the Lord have your todays and your tomorrows because I believe that every person here today can be acquainted with the peace and the plan of God that he has for you. Let's lift up our hands all over this place right now. There is a today moment happening right now. There's a Pentecost moment that can happen right now. That's the kind of environment that we're in right now. If you need to just take a step toward God today, it could be as simple as repenting of your sins or being baptized in his name or being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. That's what we're here to do today. If you need to just cast some cares on the Lord today, I want to invite everybody to come up around the front of this building as they begin to play and as we sing and we enter into just a time of response and prayer and worship.